Hello, this is Monique. And Landon. So back we are again. It's October. I know. Uh, it's just starting to have the fall colors and all that sort of stuff. My and favorite it's time of the year. Thanksgiving. I know. For those us of Canadians. us with Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly. So we are going to talk about on the basis of sex. We're going to talk about oh. ovarian cysts, which I know that Landon is so excited about. I'm so excited about this topic. <laughs> I know. I figured you would be. So in my real job as an NP in the emergency department, I often see women with lower abdominal pain or pressure. What's your fake job? Yeah, I do have a fake job, don't I? <laughs> I'm trying to think what it is. Let your me think about it. Your real job as an NP. What's your I know. What's your not my real not job? real job. I have no idea. Maybe a podcast speaker. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway... Um, so abdominal pain and pressure in young women is a pretty common presentation in the emergency department. In fact, all women, really. And they may describe the pain as dull or sharp, constant or intermittent. So depending on the history, we, you end up doing some blood work, urine tests, preg tests, and cervical swabs to try to come up with a diagnosis. Often they require an ultrasound and it is discovered that they have an ovarian cyst or a ruptured ovarian cyst. And although, although I have to say, though, with a ruptured ovarian cyst, the Patients usually complain of like a sudden onset of sharp pain, which is quite severe, as opposed to just kind of that sharp and dull and constant. So crampy lower abdominal pain or abnormal periods or vaginal bleeding is not usually related to ovarian cysts. It's always surprising to me how little women know about their bodies and often do not know what ovarian cysts are and have many questions. So we decided it would be helpful for us to discuss some female issues so that we can better support our female patients in treating and educating them. And of course, we will give our male equal representation next month by discussing some issues prevalent in men's health. So it's equal representation equal. after you. Well, women should go first, shouldn't we? Because we've been going last equal. for so many years. Just saying. Whatever. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> what are ovarian cysts? I wish you cysts? could see the look on her face. <laughs> uh, so, what are ovarian cysts? So, simply put, they are fluid-filled sacs in the ovary. And they're very common and usually form during ovulation, which is when the ovary releases an egg each month. Many women with ovarian cysts are asymptomatic, and for the most part, they're usually harmless. They form in or on the ovary. It's kind of like having a pimple on your ovary, really. That's about it. They are broadly defined as functional and non-functional. Functional cysts are usually not dangerous and often do not cause any symptoms. If an ovarian cyst is non-functional, it's usually considered a complex ovarian cyst, and I'm going to let uh, Landon talk about those. But let's just start with the functional cysts, which are by far the most common type of ovarian cysts, and they form during the menstrual cycle. I wish you could see uh, Landon's uh, face when I'm talking about menstrual cycles, by the way. I'm learning so much. I bet you are. Anyways, these kind of functional cysts are called follicular or corpus and corpus luteum cysts. So in a normal menstrual cycle, an ovary releases an egg each month, and the egg grows within a follicle. When the egg matures, the follicle breaks open to release the egg. So follicular cysts form when the follicle doesn't break open to release the egg. Women often have no symptoms, and these cysts will resolve spontaneously within about one to three months. Back to the normal menstrual cycle, when the follicle breaks open and releases the egg, the empty follicle sac shrinks into a mass of cells called corpus luteum. 
This corpus luteum releases hormones to prepare for the next egg for the next menstrual cycle. Corpus luteum cysts form if the sac doesn't shrink and instead fills up with fluid. Again, most of them will resolve in a few weeks, but they can grow to almost six centimeters wide. Hemorrhagic cysts are when either the follicular or corpus luteum cysts bleed inside the cysts themselves. Are you learning so much? I am. I honestly, <laughs> if I can be totally honest, I've never learned this. Really? Probably not. Why I've would just, you? I've had patients with ovarian cysts, but it's just been words on paper and yeah. treat the pain, and I've not really ever. And I you're a boy, so you probably don't really know about normal menstrual topic. cycles. Yeah, I figured not. Okay. Yeah. But maybe this one will be more exciting for you. Well, I'm interested in the non-functional cysts. I bet cysts, you are. Mm -hmm. um, of the ovary. And yep. those are the endometriomas, cystadenomas, teratomas, and dermoid cysts. You love all those words. I love all those big <laughs> words. I'm rather annoyed you gave them to me, though, because yeah. usually you are better at screwing them up. Yeah, than I know. I am at saying them right. That's okay. I'll just, I'll screw up somewhere else just oh, so you can make fun of me. Okay. So an endometrioma is a type of cyst formed when endometrial tissue grows in the ovaries. It affects women during the reproductive years and can cause chronic pelvic pain associated with menstruation. It is the most common form of endometriosis, which we We're, will talk about in a minute. Yeah. I think you will. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> A cystadenoma is a fluid-filled sac occurring on the outer part of the ovaries. It can grow and cause pain. Some of them contain a thick mucus and are called mucinous cystadenomas, whereas serous cystadenomas contain serous fluid. I'd like you to say that about 10 times fast. <laughs> that sentence over and over serous again. Serous is one of those words in nursing school I just never really liked I saying. Serous. Yeah. Oh, here's a gross one. Dermoid cysts, or teratomas, are one of the most common types of cysts found in women between the ages of 20 and 40 years. A dermoid cyst is made up of ovarian... Sorry, I'm trying to not cough. Yeah. Ovarian germ cells. Germ cells are reproductive cells, or eggs. And they can contain teeth, hair, or fat. Most dermoid cysts are benign, but rarely they can be cancerous. Can you imagine? Like if you went I, in there to do surgery to take out the dermoid cyst and there were like teeth and hair. Ooh, That's strange. It is a bit strange. We're weird as people <laughs> things, I know, aren't exactly. We? Why would that ever like... Grow. Why would evolution ever have needed that to happen? I would have no idea. Hmm. To give us a job, maybe? I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> strange. So how do we treat them, though, all these ovarian cysts? What oh, well, so... Most ovarian cysts are normal and they disappear naturally. So honestly, they may not even know they existed. Mm -hmm. um, they are naturally recurring part of the ovulation cycle and most of them resolve spontaneously with no intervention. Um, so most of the time we just wait mm -hmm. and they resolve spontaneously. One of the reasons we do watch these people though is to ensure that the cysts do resolve. And if it becomes too large, it can cause an ovarian torsion, which is pretty rare, mm -hmm. but does require surgery. Uh, ruptured ovarian cyst is a common occurrence, and the physiologic rupture of small follicular cysts that occur with every ovulatory cycle is not typically clinically significant and generally asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can cause mid-cycle pain, which is called Mittelschmerz. Mm -hmm. Monique so just gave me the look of there's <laughs> no way you're going to be able to say this German no, word. No, I didn't. I took German in university. So did I. 
so I can say Mittelschmerz. Yes, that's exactly it. So what does it mean in German? It means middle pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it schmerzes. I know, schmerz, I think. Mittel is middle, and schmerz is, is pain, I guess. Schmerz. Schmerz. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to... The cyst rupturing. Yes. I know, you got lost in your train of thought. So the middle schmerz was the rupturing mid-cycle. When an ovarian cyst ruptures, there's release of cyst fluid or blood that may irritate the peritoneal cavity. Dermoid cyst ruptures usually results in severe peritoneal irritation and surgical management is required. So those would show up as like peritonitis. Yeah, exactly. Well, because that's what it what is. What is <laughs> I'm knee smart. Do good. <laughs> Most women with a ruptured ovarian cyst can be managed with observation, analgesics, and rest. Some women require surgery. Surgery is really dependent on the severity of symptoms, presence of ongoing bleeding, and or hemodynamic instability. Yeah. Much like most things that require surgery. <laughs> surgical things. Exactly. Now, often patients wonder why they get ovarian cysts and how they can prevent them from occurring, particularly preventing ruptures. Population studies show that between 25 to 30% of women develop an ovarian cyst at some point in their lives. Women are at risk from the time they start to menstruate until menopause. Ruptured ovarian cysts are most likely to occur in women of reproductive age, but may occur in postmenopausal women. Risk factors for rupture of follicular or corpus luteum cysts are associated with the likelihood of ovulation. It kind of makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, but don't forget that there are some women who are on fertility medications, um, which also increases the risk, and the use of estrogen, progesterone, con contraceptives decrease the risk. Um, but please... Understand it is important to note that estrogen, progesterone, co contraceptives do not always prevent ovulation, which means that you can still get pregnant on the birth control pill. It's 99% yeah, effective. with perfect use. Right. 99% effective with perfect use, which means taking the pill at the same time every day without missing a dose. Typical use, not taking at the same time, is how most women take the pill, and then it's almost 91% effective. That's not very good. I know. That's one in 10. One in 10, oops. Yeah, exactly. So both combined oral contraceptives and progesterone-only pills, also known as the mini pill, have a typical failure rate of about 9%. Mini pin. I know. 9%. I know. <laughs> now, although ovarian cancer is not the most common cause of ovarian cysts, many women who are diagnosed with a cyst are certainly concerned that they may have cancer. So often they need to be reassured that ovarian cancer is more likely in women who have a genetic predisposition to ovarian cancer, previous history of breast or GI cancers, um, a cyst that appears complex. So a cyst with like a solid area, a nodule on the side, or multiple fluid fill areas. Um, please note, we did talk about complex cysts earlier, and we don't want you to think all complex cysts mean that patients have cancer. It just means that we have to watch them more carefully. Ascites found in the pelvis or abdomen during any kind of imaging test is certainly much more concerning. So, so are, are you saying you're going to ultrasound all these people? Yes. If they come in with kind of lower abdominal pain, you don't right. know if it's going to be an ovarian cyst or not, and so that you're going to ultrasound them. And from that ultrasound, will that say this is cancer or not, or will it just mm. sort of say, that looks weird, let's yeah. MRI or Exa CTU? Exactly. And if you have a higher risk factor, then they probably would do something like do some um, cancer blood work staging. Okay. Or what they might do if it's a low risk is repeat your ultrasound in about a month 
to six weeks. And if it right. resolves, it should go away. exactly, then we don't need to worry. If it doesn't resolve, then certainly it needs further investigation. But relevant that these people might go home with mm -hmm. a four week. Yeah. We're pretty sure it's not cancer, but just uh, yeah, we're gonna be fine it. for the next month. Yeah, I'm exactly. Sure, I'm sure you have nothing to worry about. I'm yeah. I'm sure that flies well. Uh, well, it is something that we have to explain, right? We kind of yeah. reassure them that more than likely it's normal because they have none of these risk factors but we're going to we'll, make sure we'll by month. yeah we're going to yeah. repeat your yeah. ultrasound just to be on the safe side that's what i usually say rather than just saying it's nothing i'd rather be err on the side of caution and then be able to say it's nothing hmm. so the interesting thing is ovarian cysts may be associated with endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome. So actually, you're going to tell us about endometriosis. I am. Yeah, you are. Let's start with endometriosis. Yes, we will. So that is when the tissue that makes up the uterine lining is present on other organs. Uh, it's usually found in the lower abdomen or pelvis, but it can appear anywhere in the body. Women with endometriosis often have lower abdominal pain, pain with periods, pain with sexual intercourse or may have a hard time getting pregnant. On the other hand, some women with endometriosis may not have any symptoms at all. The pain from endometriosis occurs when a woman has her period. She has bleeding not only from the cells and tissue inside the uterus, but can also have bleeding from the cells and tissue outside the uterus. Really? Yeah. So it's like those cells know that it's, even though they're not attached, mm -hmm. they know it's that time. Yeah. So it could be around the intestine, it could be around anything, and you would have that pain. And they and just bleeding. know that it's time. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. <laughs> That's fascinating. Honestly, I studied this beforehand. Can you all tell? <laughs> um, all right. So when blood touches the other organs, especially in the abdomen, it causes inflammation, irritation, and pain, much like anything else in the abdomen exactly. that's going wrong. Between 20 and 40% of women with infertility will have endometriosis. Endometriosis seems to impair fertility in two ways. One, by causing distortion of the fallopian tubes so that they are unable to pick up the egg after ovulation. And second, by creating inflammation that can adversely affect the function of the ovary, egg, fallopian tubes, or uterus. So basically the whole, the whole thing. Exactly, but it's because when you have all this kind of repeated endometriosis, you can actually end up having scar tissue. Right. That's kind of part of the problem, right? That's why the fallopian tubes can get scarred and blah, 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 right? So, hmm. yeah. Um, there, I have no idea why this would happen. Well, uh -huh. there's several different ideas of why and how it happens. Uh, one is that when a woman has her period, some of the blood and tissue from her uterus travels out through the fallopian tubes and in the abdominal cavity. Uh -huh. um, this is called retrograde menstruation. Interestingly, near all women have some degree of retrograde menstruation menstruation because mm -hmm. yeah it's not a, like they're not connected it's kind of this mm -hmm. here you go little egg float yep. across <laughs> find your path and, exactly yep and there's a little gap to jump across there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. see i do know something yes you do um not all of those people obviously will get endometriosis this may be due to differences in a woman's immune system Another idea is that some cells in the body outside the uterus can change to become the same kind of cells that line the uterus this is a common explanation for endometriosis at weird sites like the thumb or knee. Isn't that weird? That is weird. But, it is, but it is true that like any cell in the body can become any other cell, cell in the body. Exactly. We just 
haven't quite mastered how to make that happen yet, except with like stem cells. They exactly. can pretty well tell them to become anything right now. So Which is kind of exciting in the world of research. It is. But yeah. Totally lost my place. <laughs> Another possible explanation is that the cells from the lining of the uterus travel through the blood vessels or through the lymphatic system and get to other parts of the body. You cannot diagnose endometriosis from an ultrasound. It is sort of an assumption that a woman has endometriosis based on her symptoms, but the only true way to diagnosis is laparoscopy. So you actually have to do surgery. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, that, sounds, that sounds intense. It is a bit. Endometriosis lesions are often described as looking like cigarette burns inside the abdomen. And endometriosis can be located on or even within an ovary, causing an endometrioma, a cyst of endometriosis. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. This is complicated. It is. These cysts are often referred to as chocolate cysts because the material inside the cysts looks like chocolate syrup. Uh -huh. hmm. Treatment for endometriosis is generally conservative. NSAIDs and um, other things. Oral contraceptive pills. Oh, oral contraceptive pills. It's like OCPs. Mm. Hmm. wonder what that is. Occasionally, surgery may help by cauterizing the lesions or removing some of the scar tissue. The thing about it is, as you were saying, it does sound a bit intense to do a laparoscopy, but generally speaking, people will be diagnosed kind of on an assumption because it happens around right. the time of your period and whatnot. Well, and honestly, so you, you don't really you do need a to laparoscopy know. and you go and look at them. It's like, yeah. what are you going to do that about gonna, it? It doesn't cure it. Exactly. So some people will put patients on the oral contraceptive pills and see if they and work. It, exactly and mm -hmm. if it works then we make an assumption they probably have endometriosis because i don't think i'd want surgery just to go no tell to me i have it exactly Especially, unless you can do something when you're in there but it sounds like but that's an that's a discussion a lot of times that you have with patients about doing diagnostic tests because they just want to know mm -hmm. um because they're worried and so you know trying to explain to them that this is normal and we could just treat it and if if the symptoms go away, then it likely is that. It's kind of a different approach, and it takes a little bit longer to explain to your patients. Well, in our, our instant gratification society, I'm sure people yeah. are, well, no, there must be like a, a picture yeah. you can exactly. take. And then can test. you fix it? Can't yeah. you fix it? Yeah. Anyway, finally a word about polycystic ovarian syndrome. Polycystic ovaries occur when the ovaries are abnormally large, and they contain many small cysts on the outer edges. Signs and symptoms of PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, often develop around the time of the first menstrual period during puberty. Sometimes PCOS develops later, um, for example, sometimes in response to substantial weight gain. Their signs and symptoms vary quite a bit, and a diagnosis is usually made when a woman experiences at least two of these signs, so irregular periods, so either infrequent, irregular, or prolonged menstrual cycles are the most common sign. Access, oh, did I just say that? Terrible. Excess. That's an E. I know, I just saw that. Excess, Excess. And androgen, where there may be physical signs such as excessive facial and body hair and occasionally severe acne and male pattern baldness in women. And if we do an ultrasound, we might actually see all the cysts inside the ovary itself. The exact cause isn't known, and there's a few factors that might play a role, which includes excess insulin, which might increase that androgen production, causing difficulty with ovulation, low-grade inflammation. 
So research has shown that women with PCOS have a type of low-grade inflammation that stimulates polycystic ovaries to produce androgens, which can lead to heart and blood vessel problems. Some and, genetics. And make the problem worse. Yeah, exactly. Because so if you of, have ovaries producing androgens and the androgens produce the polycystic stick, ovary, yeah. positive feedback loop. Very good. Never, never good in a human body. No, exactly. And um, the other factor is um, excess androgen for whatever reason. So their ovaries are producing, as you just said, more, and then you make it worse and make more foggy hair, acne, that sort of thing. The problem with PCOS, which is concerning a lot of times, is that patients can have infertility, diabetes, uh, metabolic syndrome, which includes a combination of high blood pressure, high blood sugar, and high cholesterol, and therefore cardiovascular disease sleep apnea, abnormal uterine bleeding, and obesity. So there's no definitive test to diagnose PCOS. A history of your menstrual periods and weight gain or weight changes in a physical exam may show a lot of excess hair growth, insulin resistance, and acne that might hint at it. The patient would then have a pelvic exam, which may reveal masses or growth, blood tests to measure hormone levels, glucose tolerance, cholesterol, triglyceride levels, and an ultrasound. And treatment really is managing the symptoms. If a patient has irregular or prolonged periods, they may be managed with oral contraceptive pills. If the patient wants to ovulate, there are oral anti-estrogen medications to stimulate ovulation. Obviously, endometriosis and or PCOS are not ED diagnoses. No. No. But it is important to know that some of your female patients have these conditions when you're assessing them for abdominal pain and or dysfunctional uterine bleeding. Just like, do you have any history that might contribute to what you're doing here? Well, and we might get them in that month of, I'm sure you'll be fine, come back, and yeah. the pain's not going away. And so, exactly. So we may not diagnose it, but it is definitely something in the history. It's mm -hmm. good to at least look half smart mm -hmm. when they say it. And exactly. I now look... 55% smart. Yeah. A little better than half smart after learning all this from you. There you go. Um, so the final word on ovarian cysts. Uh, ovarian cysts or ruptured ovarian cysts should be one of the differential diagnoses in women who present with lower abdominal pain. But mm -hmm. don't forget to do a pregnancy test. Exactly. And childbearing age is a very subjective number. <laughs> so I do pregnancy tests on every female patient. Pregnancy screens are free. Mm -hmm. And I have maybe been known on occasion to get so into the pattern that males end up getting pregnancy <laughs> screens. Because when I go into that little room, I just automatically do it. Uh, ovarian cysts are normal. Um, and treatment is centered around reassurance, observation, pain control, and then don't forget that important follow-up. Follow yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Thank wow. you very much. I learned a lot. Oh, I'm glad. Mm -hmm. I did too. But I, obviously I see a lot of this, but it was still kind of interesting for me because it's important for us to educate ourselves to be able to reassure patients. And so I think it's always important for us to learn different things. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next month. Exactly. We're going to be talking about four things. Four parts. Yes. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. For past episodes and to comment on this episode, please visit our website at nursum.org. That's N-U-R-S-E-M dot O-R-G. You can follow us on Twitter at NursumCast and also find us on Facebook at Nursum Podcast. We look forward to your comments and suggestions for future episodes.
Remember, before incorporating anything new into your work, ensure you are supported by your own scope of practice, workplace policies, and your own knowledge and comfort. The Nursum Podcast is brought to you by PRN Education www.prneducation.ca